Good morning, church. I want to start out by telling you, I might have said this once before, but I, I think given where we are and what we're doing with the series of looking at the attributes of God, I think it's very important to say this. Another week, another attribute. Will we ever finish? What's the point? Is there a point? And the short answer to that is yes, there is. And secondly, I would like to say that it reminded me very much of different times when we had when we had traveled up to Wisconsin. Now with three girls traveling up to Wisconsin, at different times you will hear different things, but not the least of which was, are we there yet? And the idea is sometimes, boy, if I get there, I won't have to listen to this. I won't have to hear this. And we, I miss out that along the trip, I have the benefit of being able to know the people that are with me on this trip. And that's, that's the thing. That's the aim. That in this journey, if you will, in our relationship with the Lord, that He wants us to enjoy the journey with Him till we reach the destination of heaven. That's the aim. That's the goal. It's twofold. Yes, we want to enjoy when we're there. The goal itself, yes. But if that's all we see and we don't see what's right in front of us along the way, we will miss out. So in looking at the attributes of God, it is meant, and He is meant for it, to be an encouragement to us. Just stop and think for a moment, and I'm not going to even touch this because this could be a whole other sermon in itself, but just for a thought, just think of the names by which He has called Himself. His name, Jesus, for example. What does that mean? He will save us, His people, from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. They, he is connecting himself. He is directing his presence in some way to us and a significant thing with the name is what, he, what his goal is, what his aim is. In the revealing of himself, what, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. There are other names. Those were just two, but there are more. And so... That brings me to this place of um, a quote that Tom had shared some weeks ago by Priscilla Scheer, Scherer, S-C-H, oh, S-H-I-R-E-R. I'll just say Priscilla Scheer. 
from discerning the voice of God. When God chooses to speak to us, His word will always in some way be designed to point us to Him and open up our understanding so that we can experience Him more fully. Without knowledge of the nature of God, obedience to Him becomes more difficult, if not impossible. The more you know and believe to be true about who God is and what He can do, the more willing you become to obey what He commands. And I also like this quote that John, Par- John Barkanik made. The more I know God, the more I trust Him. But trust fails for lack of relationship. So in looking at the attributes of God, the last time I spoke, I had uh, brought up the verses from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, which says, Let not the, the wise man glory in his wisdom, or the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. And I want you to see the magnitude and the wonder of that statement, that on my own, I cannot even begin to wrap my head around who God is. It's impossible. I like what Tom said about looking through a keyhole and what's on the other side. I think that captures it. This little pea brain, if you will. Yes, I know the Lord created it. But this little brain in comparison to who he is. Looking through this keyhole that's, that's immeasurable, that's bigger than all outdoors and higher than we can even think. And what he says, that he understands and knows me. That's a miracle. That's his working in my behalf then to be able to make that a reality for me, to be able to understand, to be able to wrap my head around, to be able to comprehend, because without him, I can't. And I know at times there are things, if I get to thinking about it too hard, it just makes my head swim, and I got to stop. But God making it possible That's him taking the impossible and making it possible to know him. So that brings us then to today's attribute. And that's the God of encouragement. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are the God of encouragement. Thank you that you are the one who builds us up, that you're the one who blows into our sails, that you are the one who establishes us, that you are the one who comes alongside. Thank you, Lord, that you are taking us from faith to faith, from glory to glory in you, making us partakers of your divine nature, and that every step along the way whether we're in the valley or on the mountaintop, till you call us home or till your return, you're with us. You're with us to the very end. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding this day and speak to it into our hearts and call the things that are not as though they be. I pray, Lord, that the words that you impart, that they will 
not return void, but they will prosper in the very thing that you send them forth to do this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So most of us, we are familiar with the scripture in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if he hadn't put that up on the screen, I think it would be a safe bet to say that most of us here are familiar with that scripture. But how many of you are familiar with Romans chapter 15, verses 4 and 5? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But Romans chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Okay. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Those are the verses that I wanted to highlight. But if you would go back to the very beginning of this chapter, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So here we see the vertical, and we see the horizontal. The vertical to God and the horizontal to one another. And there, and there are two sermons there. But today, my goal and the focus for today is the vertical. And, and so, this morning, I, would, I want for us to consider the power of, and the awesomeness of these words that everything, not a, select, not a few select verses, but everything, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. That is to say, a confident expectation of what is to be accomplished. You see, God does take encouragement seriously. When you look at that statement, he is saying that the entire book, in light of what we saw in 2 Timothy 3, he said this entire book, whatever was written, was for our endurance and for our encouragement, for our building up, for our going forward. And there's a goal in mind. That goal in mind is to be established in Him as I prayed, to be built up, to be unswerving, to be able to withstand 
Because, both, because we all know too well the enemy who loved, would love nothing better than to discourage, to steal, to kill, to destroy, and for us to lose the will to fight, to lose the will to go forward. You see, in God giving us this book, and I don't care where you look in the book, whether you look in Genesis or even in Revelation, like Stephen did a whole masterful job. He should have been an auctioneer the way he went through that as fast as he did. But he did it. And I think he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He went full throttle. But there is no place in Scripture, even if it appears negative, the outcome of the truth that is declared, that is shared, that is revealed, is not to leave us in a heap, not to leave us there and the end of the story. No, that's just the beginning in order to bring us to the goal, to the place, and that is the Jesus Christ. So when you consider the law, for example, what is it? It's the school bus. What does it do? It drives us to Christ. We see our condition. And then what does he do? He ministers life. Not just a little bit, but abundant life. So even though something may appear heavy at the outset, God's goal in the end, even when he dealt with the Pharisees, even what he said is a harsh thing, we see his heart when he looked back on Jerusalem and wept over Jerusalem. And what did he say? He said, oh, I long to gather you under my wings like a hen her chicks. So all of these scriptures, what I'm going to say today, my aim today is to minister grace to the hearer. That's him. That's not me. But it's him in me. And that's my aim, and that's his aim, to minister grace to you to minister grace to me so that when we're done here when we go outside these four walls and whatever comes through the week you will be able to go forward no matter what kind of week you have if you have a good week it's because god is encouraging encouraging you he's building you up he's giving you confidence how many of you know that when, when God speaks into your life, when he gives you a prophetic word, doesn't it lift you up in the inside? Doesn't it say, yeah, I can do that? So encouragement, let me be clear of this, about this. Encouragement is not wishful thinking. Encouragement is not fantasy. Encouragement is God speaking into your life. Life, calling the things that are not as though they be, empowering you and equipping you for what he wants you to do. Encouragement not only ministers to you and builds you up, but it also looks forward. That's why it takes you forward. That's why it won't stop. Not till we reach that destination. Amen. And no one else does what God does. The God of all encouragement. Oh, we can say things to ourselves. We can pump ourselves up. But that 
in the crisis, in the valley, when push comes to shove, do you think that's going to stand? I don't think so. When the metal is tested, guess what? That's going to buckle. But what will stand is the truth of what God, who God is and what he says about you and what he avails to you through his word, through his promises, and through his spirit. And that brings me once again to this quote, which I will tell you is a part of my life, which is living and active, that Steve Fry said. We belt ourselves with truth when we fortify. Oh, I love that word, fortify. With scripture about God's character. No matter what attribute, it will build you up. He will build you up. So, in talking about encouragement, I want to direct our thoughts to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, and I'll just, and then verses 25 through 26. And then later in John 16, 5 through 7. Now the reason why I'm mentioning these verses, I want to give some context here. This is at the Lord's Supper. This is before the Lord's going to go to the cross. And with all that on his mind, what do you think he's thinking about? He's thinking about his disciples. He's not thinking about the cross. He's thinking about you and me. He's, and what he's saying was written not just for their benefit when he spoke it to them, but for us today. That he himself is our example. And so he says these things to them about the person of the Holy Spirit. So I'm saying that for this purpose. The word encourage means in the Greek parakalesis, depending on whether you look at the verb. But when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he talks about one version here, the NIV says counselor. In the ESV, the word is helper with a capital H. I like that. I like those words. If you look in the NASB, it says advocate, which is a legal term, a sure defense. And that word means, paraclete, it means to come to the side of, to come to the aid of. In these verses where he, where he talks about the Holy Spirit when he comes, it says he's going to be there forever. He is in this for the long haul, guys. That is a great thing. You think about our condition. You think about, first of all, what Christ did at the cross to make this happen, to make this a reality. If he didn't go to the cross, we wouldn't have hope. But he makes the way where there is no way. And I always love that because no matter where you look at the scripture, you will see time and time and time again where he makes a way where there is no way. I think sometimes we hear that and we, it goes whoop in one ear and out the other. But to think about those words and let them just ruminate for a minute. He makes a way where there is no way. In our thinking, 
we would use the word impossible, but that doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. The kids, I remember hearing the song, Jesus is the what? The, the way maker, that's right. He made a way for me. When this heart refused to shine, he makes the sun to shine. Jesus, he makes a way for me. It's true. Okay, okay, that wasn't a country tune, but it works. It makes the point. No extra charge for the badoopy doo. Okay. So, helper with a capital H in the New King James Version, comforter in the King James Version, advocate with a capital A in the NIV. He has the credential. He has the credentials. And when we look at these, and these verses, uh, if you would look through John 14 and th through 16, those chapters, you will see that he will teach us all things. That he will bring to our remembrance. That he will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I like the way that God takes something and builds on it. And so I can't help but think about Steve's message and when he talked about God is truth. You know, just think for a moment that if God says it, you can't add to that. You can't take away from it. Oh, you could, but you'd only be deceiving yourself. If God says it, that's the final word. It's established. So for us to embrace Him, to embrace what He wants to speak into our lives, to embrace His promises, to embrace what He says to you in your quiet time, is life-changing. And one of the things that Steve said was, what is he saying? I like that. It's not what did he say, it's what he's saying. He never stops talking. I don't mean that in a bad way. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> That's a good thing. What is he saying to you each day? I like this when he, when he says, he has the credentials. And so... I'm going to read some scriptures here and I'm going to lay them on kind of thick but I don't know of anybody that has ever overdosed on encouragement. I believe we can't be encouraged enough. But it's the idea that even what he speaks into our lives is there for a purpose, is there for a reason and even to guard us against unbelief. If you were to look at Hebrews 3 and verse 13, you would see where we are given the precious privilege of, he, first he gives the warning, take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But then he says, but exhort one another while it's called today. We have a tremendous privilege to speak life and again, I can't help but think about Caleb and Joshua and those other ten guys. And Caleb's remarks, what he said about the other ten, that his words, that the, ten, the words of the ten spies made the hearts of the people melt. 
The reason I'm sharing that with you is in strong contrast to that. Think about God's words of encouragement, meaning to do the very opposite of that, to stand, to be established, to withstand, to not be moved, to be unswerving, to be firm in the purpose, in the goal, in the aim, in the objective. I like that. I know myself all too well. So in these verses, um, let me say this real quick. So the Holy Spirit, his name is Parakalitas, means to come alongside of, to come to the aid of. If you look in the scriptures and you see the word exhort, comfort, console, they are the same root word. So it should come as no surprise then that if I say paracolitis. I like the way I, you, can, you can listen to this guy do the audio and I thought who has the time to go through the entire Bible and pronounce each one of those words in the Greek. I thought somebody's got a lot of time on their hands to do that. And how I think I pronounce it, to hear him say it with all the pronunciation, parakletos. There you go. Don't give up. Endure to the end. Yes. Okay. So anytime you see those words, they have the same thing, the, the same meaning. So it should come as no surprise to us then if that's his, who he is and he comes alongside and he is the encourager. Encourager has that word and says the encouragement of the scriptures. So guess what? It should come as no surprise then that if the encourager decides to write a book, here it is, guys, it's the Bible. Yes, it's holy. Yes, it's all of those things. But sometimes I think we need to see that this is more than just kind of eat your broccoli. You need to be instructed. Here's good doctrine. I think in the flavor of that, there is encouragement. That he wants us to enjoy the, the journey, so to speak. That he wants to, us to enjoy the servings, if you will, of what he wants to speak into our life, what he wants to do, what he wants to accomplish. And what that brings forth is confidence. What that brings forth is the things I just mentioned, but it also brings forth joy. And in talking about the Holy Spirit and writing about those things, he says that, no one will be able to take that joy from you. In the scripture that Donna read, the one thing that I would like to bring out at this point about that set of verses is a point that Tom made that here is a very graphic picture where you see the attributes, some of them working in conjunction with the others. I like that, that God cannot lie that he is immutable, that he is not changing. And that's a sermon for another day. But what that provides, what his attributes provide, and what does he say? A strong anchor. And the other thing that I like in that set of verses that Donna read, to show more convincingly is what it says. That's the heart behind encouragement, to show more convincingly. I like that heart. 
It's not the God who's up there in heaven with his arms crossed, looking down, waiting to throw that first lightning bolt if you misstep. No, it's the one who has made the earnest down payment in your behalf till he receives the full possession of you with him. Nobody puts a down payment on a house and then walks away from it. What does that say about the heart of God? So one of the very first verses I put down here was Psalm 3.3. And this speaks about the Lord being, I want to refresh and just say, His credentials. This here verse says that He is the glory of, You are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Each one of these verses, I want them to, I want God to take these words and I want him to speak them into your heart and I want them to just come alongside of you and minister to you. In the King James, it says, he's the glory and the lifter of my head. And what what is my head lifted to? I believe it's lifted to him, to his presence, to his face, to behold him. And it's not, again, I would say it's not just some kind of force, if you will, to move our head up. I would like to think because he knows our frame, he knows our weaknesses, and he's not a God who's afar off. I like to think and some believe that with the scriptures, he's coming alongside and he is the one lifting our heads to his face to behold him. Psalm 32, verse 7. We find these words. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. One of the, I like that. In your quiet time, does God, what is God saying to you? Does he sing a song over you? One of the translations says, shouts of deliverance. He's not bashful to do that. Songs of deliverance. There are times when, it, I'll just say that when God puts a worship song in my heart, and you could probably testify this, and I start singing it to myself, something starts happening on the inside of me that I start to walk with a spring in my step, that he, he is energizing me, that he's blowing into my sail, that he's sustaining me, that he's picking me back up. And so I don't stop singing that. And then lo and behold, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 where it says, Be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's powerful. That's life-changing. That's a game-changer. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Familiar, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. I tell you, nobody feels worse if you're on a ball field and you drop the ball. 
Nobody feels worse. And you don't need somebody coming along and pointing it out to you. Well, needless to say, when we sin, when we drop the ball, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me by thy free spirit, your generous spirit. Uphold me to come alongside of, to uphold me. Psalm 94, this is, I apologize, Zadok, it's verses 17 through 19. Psalm 94, if the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations Cheer my soul. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am the one who comforts you. Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who was weary. Morning by morning, he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. Those are powerful, eternal Promises and truths. But the other thing that I want to do now is in making that case, anybody, if you've ever seen a, I hate to use the word infomercial, you know they, they sell their product and then they come with a testimonial. Well, I'm not selling a product. I'm putting out before you the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And here is a testimonial, if you will, that speaks to that. This isn't the only one, but this is one that I believe is very gripping. I talked about the ball being dropped. So in Luke 22... Verses 31 to 34. This is where Jesus and Peter are having a conversation. And this is the place where, where Jesus tells Peter that Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now I don't know about you, but if I had a conversation with the Lord and I heard those kinds of words, you'd hear my knees knocking together 
and probably a few other sounds that would sound like Yahtzee dice rolling. But that's not where he stopped in the, in the, uh, in the telling of this. So in, in this uh, conversation that he has here with Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So Peter thought he knew himself better than God did and said, Jesus, you missed the boat. You missed the mark on this. I'm your guy. I'm your man. I'm with you to the end. This is me, Peter. I'm with you. We're joined at the hips, man. But what was about to happen did not take Jesus by surprise. And even when Peter, with all the seriousness of heart, said that, Jesus said, that I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This Peter who denies Christ three times. I want to take you to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, Peter, this is the same guy who wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And 1 Peter 1 Peter speaks of a lively hope, a confident expectation. Now, considering where Peter was and what Peter did, and then for Peter to come to this place in the, the epistle of 1 Peter, to write those words and to say that there is an inheritance laid up for you, and now I'm going to interject something here, is that we play to win, we only lose if we quit. That we have a destiny. We have a purpose. We have a plan. And the only miss, way we miss out is if we choose to opt out. But in 2 Peter then, this is what Peter says, starting at verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I can just see Peter being consumed by these very words that he's writing. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time, any time, to recall these things. 
That's, that's Peter's life message. That's what he left with. When he crossed that line, he left those words there. That Peter who denied Christ. That Peter who dropped the ball. That says something about what God, in the way of encouragement, did in Peter's life to take him from there at that moment, sifted his wheat, turned, and coming to the place in 2 Peter chapter 1 to say these stirring words. And by God, I pray these words this day stir in your heart. So in closing, what kind of week have you been having? Where you are, where are you now in terms of today? What are you wrestling with? Or maybe not. What are you rejoicing about? And I couldn't help but be reminded of um, the words from two different songs, but they're very apropos. And I don't know what it, I just know that when God puts a song in your heart, I don't stop singing it until he accomplishes what he wants to with the song. And so one of the songs that I really like is, there's a song, we sang it the other week, Let the King of My Heart. And in that song, it says, let it be the stream that I drink from. Let him be, let him be the, the wind inside my sails. I like that. My anchor in the waves. He is my song. And then the other one, um, in Christ alone. And uh, he alone is my light, my strength, my song. This morning, I would like for Dan, if he's here, which I don't see. Oh, there he is, everybody. <laughs> I got eyes like a hawk, that's what I do. <laughs> um. I don't know where this is at in your thing of songs. But what I want you to do right where you are, I want you to join hands with one another. And I want Dan to sing this song, And Christ Alone, My Hope is Found. And my purpose, well, you can go, the worship team can go up there too if you want. I Don't let me restrain. Duh. But, but my, my heart is this, that... This is my prayer for you guys, this song. And not only for you, but for the person next to you. And so when you join hands together, you don't have to leave your seats. But what I want you to do is, as you sing that song, not only to yourself and declaring it to yourself, but that this is the prayer for the person next to you in your seat. Because guys, in the end, we, I am... We are called 
to finish this race side by side with Him.